LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Unseen Leadership Podcast, where we explore the unseen stories that shaped leaders into who they are today. The Lord really spoke to my heart and he really gave me this whole picture of revival and, 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 and really spoke to me like, Lisa, you need a revival of the soul. You need to meet with me and you need to remember what's real and you need to want me. That's what you need. And um, and I mean, I got on my face and the Lord and I went dark for 30 days from, from any kind of social media, any kind of public ministry. And we did work. And um, it changed my life. It changed my entire ministry trajectory, um, just in my own spirit and in every way. Um, And we got serious about it. I've never been the same since, and I've never looked at leadership the same. Well, welcome to the Unseen Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Chandler Vinoy, here as always with my co-host, Josh Hunter. Josh, you doing good? Doing good, ma'am. How are you? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. It's uh, it's starting to cool off here in Austin, so I didn't know it ever cooled off there. It does actually, um, and I'm really glad because it's just <laughs> the hot weather <laughs> is miserable. That's all I can say. And if you're a Texan, you understand it. It gets hot here, but today I'm really excited because we get to have a conversation with Lisa Whittle, who is the author of seven books and a new Bible study, which includes her latest release, Jesus Over Everything. She is a sought-after Bible teacher, founder of Ministry Strong, and host of the popular Jesus Over Everything podcast. Lisa, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Now, Lisa, you said you're before this, we were talking about we're all in three different areas. You're in Charlotte. Uh, so Austin, Texas is definitely hot. Is it turning fall weather for you there, Lisa? It is, but it's not, not fallish enough for my liking. Like, so it's because today we've gotten back up to 80. That's not okay with me. I need us to be at about 70 at this point. Like this is October guys. So we need to be at <laughs> 70, maybe even 68, but we're getting there. I think we're, we'll, we'll be, we'll be getting into the sixties in the next week or so. So. Now what's your, like, if you could pick one to two things that you love about fall, what, what would that be? Well, definitely cooler weather. Um, you'll be surprised to know I am not on the pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't enjoy. I do not enjoy. Um, I would say so just, uh, you know what else I like? I like the smell of burning wood. Is that Ooh. so weird? Or are some, we bon- some bonfires? Some bonfires. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that would be why. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, depends on what you're burning. But yes, yeah, so <laughs> burning wood, bonfires. Yes, I like that. S'mores, right? Yeah. Yeah. S'mores. I feel like they have, I feel like that I've seen a bonfire candle before. Ooh, um, I have I have gotten one of those before. It's a little much, but it's it is good. You've gotten one. Okay, so yeah, that that's interesting. I don't know if I want the manufactured smell. I want the real smell, you know? Yeah. You want you want it authentic for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, Lisa, we're excited to uh to have you on today and hear about your leadership journey. So we'll go ahead and get started with this question. If you could just walk us through a quick overview of the different leadership roles you've been in over the years that have led you to where you are today. Oh gosh. Well, you know, my life is long, so who knows? It's been a while. (laughs) You know, here's the interesting thing about me. I, 
I think I have known innately for a long time that I was meant to be a leader, but growing up in the church as a young woman in the era that I did, it it wasn't super popular and cool to be a strong female leader. So for a long time, I didn't know what to do with myself. And I think others didn't know what to do with me. Now, my dad was a pastor. He was a Southern Baptist pastor. So to his credit, he affirmed my gifts, right? So I always felt confident in a leadership role. I don't think he ever said like, Lisa, you're a leader, but we Everyone in my family knew that I was a born leader. I I was very much like him. Um, But leadership roles that I felt comfortable saying I was actually in, right? Admitting I was a leader, that came far later. So Mm. maybe even in my late 20s, when I was a mother, uh, and I remember probably my very first quote unquote leadership role where I admitted I was leading something was when my, my oldest son, who's now 22 (laughs) was your age, right? No. Um, well he was like 22 and he, um, I mean, he was little, he was a baby and I coordinated this mom's group at my church. I was like, what do you mean? We don't have a mom's group. Somebody needs to start it. Oh, you mean me? Okay. And <laughs> like, you know, I don't know, four months old. And so I coordinated this mom's group. It was a very large church. And I oversaw uh, eight women on a committee. And I was like, this feels right. I feel mm. like I can do this. And so, you know, I went from that to, you know, being a visionary for coordinating women's conferences at our church and in the city of Charlotte. And then it kind of, I kind of stepped into, you know, then leading Bible studies in our church, which then led to my very first book. I never meant to be in these roles that I am in today. I just sort of led with my gifts where I was and it took me where I am. Mm, That's really good. So you mentioned that you said a phrase in there that Chandler, I actually don't know if we've heard very many times on the podcast, but it is a popular phrase, a natural born leader. What is that? What is that definition to you? Like, what did what did that mean to you when you say that phrase? I was born. I was a natural born leader. I think, you know, noticing that I had the gift and the ability to have other folks get on board with what I was talking about. Um, I had the ability to be able to, you know, sort of negotiate with folks in a way that 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 didn't feel overbearing. Now, certainly without the help of the Holy spirit, there has been that (laughs) really in a way that, that, that people were, would be inspired by an idea or they, they, they began to see things in maybe a different way. You kind of just can sense that, wow, there's some people following here. They're following, they're on board with an idea. And I think from even as a young girl, um, I didn't mind being the first to step into a line or whatever. um, And then other folks would follow. I just didn't have that, you know, uh, I wasn't timid to do that. Now I was shy, which is weird because I mean, I'll just be honest and upfront with you. I'm a very weird uh, combination of all kinds of things. I don't check all the boxes for anything. Uh, So Maybe that's some encouragement to someone that says, well, I don't really, I'm not naturally this way, but I am this yeah. way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was shy, but I certainly did feel like I had the ability to be able to lead conversations and wasn't afraid to do so. 
Mm. You know, I, I love your story, how you were saying you, you never sought out to do the things that you're doing now. And the Lord opened doors along the way. I mean, you mentioned, you know, one of the first leadership opportunities was overseeing that, that mom's group and the committee and the Bible study and your leading Bible studies, which led to an opportunity to write a book. And I think a lot of people, especially, you know, as Josh was reading your resume, it's, you know, author of seven books and Bible studies. And there's many different things that you've done now, but you didn't seek out to do those. And there's, to be honest, as young leaders, it's easy to look at somebody like you, Lisa, and be like, I would love to be where she's at. But they don't understand, you know, that took a while. It wasn't as soon as you turned 20, you were pumping out books and Bible studies. You had to learn along the way. So what do you feel like that season um, and even now, like, how is that, you don't want to call it waiting period, but there was that before you stepped into the role of author or podcast host, or just maybe even leader of a Bible study in general, what did that time before teach you that you've been able to bring into kind of the roles that you're serving in now? Uh, it was invaluable. I mean, it taught me everything, honestly, about what to hold loosely, um, what to not worry about. Um, it, it taught me to be okay when I didn't get invited to things that I really wanted to get invited to. Um, it shaped my entire view of why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. the, the reality is, is, you know, <laughs> there will be applause and there will be booze and, um, if you don't have your head on straight and you don't know why that you do this, and if, if, if you're doing it for some kind of glory other than the kingdom of God, um, that'll be figured out real quickly, even within your, within your soul. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it will eat you alive. And uh, the Lord taught me, has taught me so many things, one of which has been one of the most, uh, vo most valuable lessons to me, which is their response is not your responsibility. And mm -hmm. I think uh, that came along the way, which has released me from feeling too great about myself when I've gotten, um, you know, some, some attention or, um, some great marks or great numbers or whatever the case may be. And it's also released me from when I've crashed really hard because mm. me, there have been plenty of those moments as well. <laughs> if, if the response is not their responsibility and it's, it's simply me to be the vessel, then, um, I, I just don't have a lot to do other than just stay with God and, and, uh, deliver the message. So Lisa, you mentioned having plenty of those moments of, uh, let's say crashing and burning as a leader, right? And so looking back on your leadership journey as a young leader, what were, what was maybe one of your biggest mistakes uh, that you made starting out in your leadership? Oh gosh, um, I have multiple, but I would say, I would say one would be wasting time worrying about some fake arrival point. Um, that would be top of the list. Uh, there is no such thing. I think a huge one was thinking I could do it by myself. Uh, I am a, I'm an independent soul. I'm a little bit of a, um, uh, an untamed animal. A little bit of a wild buck. So I, I like to do things myself. I'm a lone ranger. Um, how many more now anal animal analogies can I give? But whatever. I, I think I, 
I know I thought I can just do this myself. Um, that's just how I naturally am. I'm an introvert, but that was a huge mistake. Uh, I wasted a lot of time thinking I'll just write in my cave and I'll just do these things and I'll just be by myself. And I, I did not realize the value of community. Uh, I just couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure out how to have real relationships in this sort of weird business. I just didn't know how to do that. And um, so I think those are those are two big mistakes I made. Hmm. Well, I know he was asking about mistakes, but maybe let's go back to you as a young leader. And, and there's there's moments you look back on that formed you and, you know, you you look back on and say, I remember this and it changed my life. Can you, can you share with us maybe a pivotal moment that you look back on that, that would be that for you? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've had several that were pivotal. I would say 2012, eight years ago was a massively pivotal moment for me. Uh, was really, I'd been writing at that point. I'd been doing some leadership things at that point, but I, I was really, kind of caught up in my head and um, kind of got caught up and swept away with, with, and I know I hate to say the word business, but when you're in the publishing industry, it is a business. Uh, and so there are things that they tell you you need to do, right? So you have to do these things. I don't do real well with rules anyway, but I had gotten to the point where I'd gotten swept up with this. I've got to do these things. And it was eating me alive because I was becoming sort of this person that I didn't like. I was becoming this person that was really worried about, um, am I gaining popularity? All the things that you you go into ministry, you go into serving Jesus, not wanting to be. And I watched my yeah. father who was this amazing pastor. I watched him crash and burn before my very eyes. And it was the thing that kept me from ministry all of my life. I mean, that's a little bit of a side road, but you know, when you come from that place, it scares you to death. And it's the reason why I didn't know if I were even wanted to go into any of this, but in 2012, I was going to quit everything. I was going to quit writing. I was going to quit speaking. I, I was, I was literally going to shut down my blogs at that time. Blogs were a thing. Uh, so I was going to, I was going to do, I was going to do it. I, I, and I thought to myself, why can't I? Cause I always like to ask myself, like, if I just shut it all down right now, like, would my life end? Like, what could I do? And I thought, well, I can just keep serving God. It's okay. You know? And, um, I, I went down the road and I went down the road mentally with the Lord and the Lord really spoke to my heart and he really gave me this whole picture of revival and, 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 and really spoke to me like, Lisa, you need a revival of the soul. You need to meet with me and you need to remember what's real and you need to want me. That's what you need. And, um, and I mean, I got on my face and the Lord and I went dark for 30 days from, from any kind of social media, any kind of public ministry. And we did work. And um, it changed my life. It changed my entire ministry trajectory, um, just in my own spirit and in every way. Um, and we got serious about it. I've never been the same since, and I've never looked at leadership the same. Man, thank you so much for sharing that and just taking us back to to that year. And and I hear you you say that, and I, I know so many of us go into ministry. And we have the pure heart, right? Man, I just want to serve the Lord. That is my sole purpose. And then you get a little bit of applause and you start to listen to that more than the calling of the Lord. 
how, you know, what are some, and you, you kind of shared some of these, but is there a few takeaways maybe for a young leader? If somebody walked in and was asking you the question, Hey, how do I protect myself from listening to the applause more than approval of, of God? How would you make sure to set up some safeguards and some advice on that? Well, you need people in your life that will tell you the truth. Uh, you need people in your life that don't care about what um, those people that are in your, you know, far away uh, that, that, that know you from your writing or know you from whatever else will, will say to you. You need people who know you every day that are in your life and how you treat them. You need them. Uh, you need them to be with you. Um, you also need to be uh, with Jesus every single day. And, it, you know, it might sound that might sound very, very small and trite, but it is everything. Because if you leave Jesus, um, your leadership is doomed. Mm-hmm. That is that is such a strong word. And I, I think like, even though it might sound which it doesn't, but even though like some might view that as like Christianese, uh, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. That's all of your leadership. That's all of your business. That's all of your talent. That's all of your gifts. Our personal holiness is the best thing for our leadership. The strongest leaders have the closest walk with the Lord. And so I think it's a really good reminder. Thank you for sharing that, Lisa. When you were just starting to lead, what book do you wish someone gave you? Kind of knowing what you know now and all the different books that you've read and written, what do you wish was the one someone handed to you just starting out? See, this is hard because I'm a book nerd. I read all the time. In fact, and I read for work all the time. I mean, you understand. So like, I, yeah. I, I mean, you know how suddenly someone asks you a question that seems like it should be easy? You think, I know no <laughs> books. I know zero books. There are no books that I would recommend. Um, I don't know. I mean, there have been a few that have marked my life, I think, particularly for leadership. Revolution by George Barna was one that helped me really understand the church, I think, at a pivotal time that I needed to. Um, I would definitely say the... the um, the Wounded Healer by Nowen. Um, I think that is a profound book to 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 help understand the ministry leader. And I'm I I minister to ministers, so to me, I think that is a, a really insightful read. Um, I think those two things or those two books are really important. But to me, it's really about <laughs> any books that drive you closer to the father, because that is the relationship that's going to hold your leadership together. And, you know, we were just talking about how you have things that might sound tried or Christianese. Let me tell you something, the older I've gotten and the more I've gotten in my leadership journey, I've gotten the less cute I try to be about (laughs) stinking sound bites. It is about what is real and what is core. And so I can assure you that that I hate Christianity, but what I do, what I do love and cling to are just core biblical truths because those are foundational mm. things that will keep your leadership intact. And I know we like one, two, threes, not listicles and, you know, well, what's something else that's new? Listen, there's nothing new under the sun. It's go back to what you know. And uh, so those mm. are the things that drive me. That's good. Man, that was such a great reminder because it's so easy to be like, we need something innovative in this space. And it's like, you don't innovate on the word of God. You just go back to it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so helpful. Well, let's go back 
stepping in, you know, you said you were you were somewhat of a reluctant leader. But when you did step into leadership, what were some of your misconceptions about leadership? Oh, I yeah, I already kind of said one that I didn't need anyone. I think that um, I think that I had to be innovative, that I had to come up with something spectacular every single time and blow people out of the water. Um, I think that I had to be uh, the most incredible biblical, biblically knowledgeable person that ever walked the face of the earth, especially when you have, well, I've been to seminary, of course, I'm a seminary dropout, but uh, you know, when you've been to seminary, when your father's a pastor, you feel like I've got to know everything about the word and I've got to be super smart and, and steps ahead of everyone before I step into teaching it. Not true. Um, although we do want to be responsible. I will say that we don't need any more irresponsible word teaching. Uh, but you know, I just, I think those were some things that I thought. I also thought that, you know, ministry on a larger scale was more valuable. And I think that is such a nebulous, I don't know. I, I just think it's all, that. that's just a weird way to look at it because I will tell you that some of the most powerful ministry I have ever done has been in a room with five people. And I know people say that, and it's easy for someone to say that maybe has multiple books or whatever. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I, I want to get to that point. Then I'll say that, but it, it really is true. I mean, you just can get so much more accomplished when you are sitting face to face with folks. Um, so I think I, I wasted time as a young leader thinking I need to speak to 4,000 people. And um, I don't know. I just think that I've realized that that has not been some of my best ministry days. Mm -hmm. Good question. What are some of the qualities you wish you had as a younger leader? Man, this list is long. <laughs> Here's the listicle, right? <laughs> um, I wish I'd been more teachable. I wish I, I wish I'd been more humble. Uh, I wish I had been more patient uh, for the waiting. I wish I had had more joy in a simple servanthood. Um, yeah, th those are probably my biggies. So let me ask a question on one of those, the um, more patient and the waiting one. That one caught my attention. We've got a lot, of, a lot of young leaders listening to this right now. What are the benefits of those that are patient and wait for leadership to come to them rather than those that go out and try to, for lack of a better term, like kick down a door? Well, I will just tell you from my own experience that trying to kick down a door never works. So you're just going to have a very poor foot. <laughs> I tend to that's like good. to do things at work, man. I mean, you know, that's the, I, I will just tell you, you know, maybe there, there have been some people I'm sure that have successfully kicked down doors. Um, I will also say that I think there's a really big misconception in waiting. I feel like people think, well, waiting means literally sitting here, twiddling my thumbs, doing nothing. Um, I'm not a proponent for that. I mean, I, one, one of the things that I do, um, is run this um, run the, run a thing called Call Creatives, which is for people who want to write and speak. It, that is, there's a lot you can do in waiting periods. Uh, I think preparation is, well, first of all, it's the genius of God, not the calculation of man. I mean, think about God; He's a preparatory uh, sovereign God. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot you can do in the waiting. It's it's the waiting with um, making our plans that we 
are sure are the right plans that we then try to make happen, right? So you can wait. I even think making plans is not necessarily a bad thing. Just hold them loosely because God will likely change them uh, and order our steps. So wait, but wait, wait with intention and, and wait with integrity, but wait and, and wait with, with belief that God is going to do something amazing with your life. But, but you're not on pause, right? There is a, there is a world in front of you that needs to be served. So if, if you're waiting like a snob saying like, well, I'm going to wait for the big opportunity. Well, I just, I just believe that God is going to say, what are you doing with what you have right there? Um, and by the way, it is to your benefit, not that you need one as a young leader, but it's to your benefit to be exercising your gift and gifts and practicing. Because I can tell you that I'm so grateful that, that I did a lot of, um, you know, speaking events for 25 people before I ever took a stage for 2000 because I was no good. Right? Like, I just, I mean, I don't, I think it would, it was just to my benefit. And God knows that he knows that we need to get some kinks mm. out. He knows that we need to grow up and some of our theology is off and whatever the case may be. So we're just not ready yet in a lot of cases. Yeah. It's hearing you say we can wait and almost be like, woe is me. Like no opportunity has come to me. That is not the posture we should have. Yeah. And Barnabas Piper, uh, we had him on recently. He, mentioned a quote that from his dad that has stuck with me. And he, he, John Piper would say, this was advice to his son, Barnabas. He said, keep the room, keep the room clean and let God open the door. No matter what room you're in, keep the room clean. So, you know, I heard that on, on a podcast a while ago and I was, I was not at Lifeway. I was serving somewhere else. And I heard that and I was like, I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to do everything I can to work hard here. And then wherever you're at, put, you put your head down and work. Be faithful to those in front of you. Man, Lisa, just as you're saying, that, that, that room of five people, maybe you're a student pastor and you're leading a, a small group of 10 middle school or high school students. And you're like, man, I want to I speak to thousands of students. I want to be leading a, young adults. God has placed students in your lives to serve them faithfully now. So be faithful where you are and God will open the door. So thank you so much for that, Lisa. Well, let's move to the quick hitter questions here. And these are going to be short one minute answers. And we'll get started with this one. So what is your ideal daily routine? What time do you wake up, get into the office, all that good stuff? Wake up between 630 and seven. Um, I get into the office pretty soon after I, I start working about 738 and I work all day. I mean, I'm a, I, I work a lot. I like to work. Um, and this is the season of life I'm in. My kids aren't little anymore, so I can do this. I have a desk bike that I um, like exercise oh. on. It's really cool. It's I got this gym yeah. off of Amazon, and it has changed my life because I can work at the same time as I pedal. So then I'm distracted about the, by the fact that I am pedaling and um, working. So uh, do that. And, um, and it, you know, it, whatever the day is, I might be batching podcasts. I might be um, writing a message for an upcoming speaking thing. I might be recording something, a video of some type. I might be writing a book or, you know, whatever the case may be. There are, there are a myriad of things that happen here. Um, I also have 12 interns, so we might be doing intern stuff. Uh, and then I'll go to bed um, far later than I should. 
This is a very, very fast, random quick hitter, but are you desk biking right now? I'm I just not. <laughs> Uh, what is your what's your favorite personality test oh i'm so basic with this i like them all but i do like the enneagram i do enjoy it i know it's so basic yeah and um i i'm an enneagram eight can't you tell i'm very to the point i could but you know it's like the proper thing to let somebody else tell you what kind of enneagram they are before you try to like yeah i I, I do like (laughs) the enneagram yeah I'm excited for this one. What's an unusual habit that helps you in your leadership? It's nothing weird, but it is something that has helped me a lot, actually. Um, and this more so when, it, well, this is something that I did when I was, was was speaking. And I'm actually getting back on the road, believe it or not. You know, Texas, you know, Texas. They'll, they'll have events. <laughs> anyway, all that um, uh, one thing I do, it's helped me a lot is when I'm going in to speak and I'm contracted to go somewhere, I always ask, is there a ministry in town that cannot afford a speaker? And I will volunteer to come in and speak. So it might be a crisis pregnancy, it might be a rehab facility, it might be prison ministry. Um, but I will always come in early and do that. And I tell you, it has helped me more than anything because it really, um, some of my most beautiful ministry has been done in those places. And, um, it, it, I, God has just it blessed it in a, in a major way. And it's, it's something unique. I love it. That That's actually, really cool. Yeah, that is really, really cool. I don't get flown anywhere to speak, but I guess if I do, I'll, I'll try to add yeah, that to my list. That's a, that's a good one. What's your favorite app on your phone right now? Well, I mean, I got to plug Dwell. They're my they're my partner right now with my podcast. I love Dwell. It's an audio Bible app. Um, and it, I really do love it, though. It's, it's been neat because you can really consume the word differently. So in the morning, I have my before I even get out of bed anymore. I hear my verse for the day. And so I really do enjoy Dwell. Um, I also love my teleprompter app, which has kind of saved my life for like short things. I have to video leaders might like this. It's like it's that big view teleprompter app. You've got to okay. do like a short one to two minutes something and you can't remember anything like me do that teleprompter app it has really saved me um so i like that i've got so many favorite apps but those are two on the top of my list Love that's that. cool what has been the best book you've read in the past six months you guys are gonna hate this answer is the, this is the worst I, i'm gonna go down in history as the one who had the worst answer on your podcast are you ready Wow. <laughs> I'm so it's ready. The easiest answer ever, and everyone throw tomatoes at me. But <laughs> I loved Jessica Simpson's memoir. <laughs> I thought I thought you were going to say the Bible, just to be oh honest with God. you. So you think, I'm you think Jesus is on this show? No. Well, you have the silliest answer. Tell you something. I read for work all the time and I read nonfiction all the time. And I love a memoir. My favorite books are memoirs. And so I'm not like this big Jessica Simpson fan, but I will tell you, I wanted to read something very different. I wanted a departure. It was but I really loved it. And she talked about her faith openly and she and I have a lot in common actually, because she's a pastor's daughter. So I loved that memoir. I'm saying it unapologetically. Okay. And no judgment. I, if you're listening to this, maybe go get the Jessica Simpson memoir. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. That far, but look, all you leave. Uh, I, I, I stood on my own two feet here. 
No, I'm, hey, good on you. Good on you. Last question for you. What one sentence advice would you give uh, a young leader going into going into leadership for the very first time? Oh my gosh. It's hard to give one sentence advice. Although I always tell people just come up with one thing. So I appreciate the one thing I would say your leadership will only be as good as your relationship with Jesus is. It, it just will only be. Um, so like I said, I could try to get cute and clever with it, but if you're, if your relationship with the Lord has tanked, um, you're, you won't have anything you, you, you know, you, you can, um, uh, you can only be cute for so long. You can only be clever for so long. You can only, you know, speak eloquently for so long. But, you know, if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit with you, forget it. So um, I stand by that. Don't leave Jesus. That's such a great reminder. Well, Lisa, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today and sharing about your leadership journey. And thank you for listening. We hope it's been helpful to you and your leadership. If it has, head on over to Instagram. Give us a follow. Give Lisa a follow as well. Give her a follow. (laughs) Shoot us a DM. Let us know what you enjoy about the podcast. And we'll see you next week. Peace.